You're listening to Leading and Learning. This is the place where we talk about practical leadership, theology, fitness, how to create winning habits, and so much more. My name is David Spell, and I'm a retired police officer, a pastor, a New Testament scholar, and a leadership coach. My goal on leading and learning is to help you live your best life. Thanks so much for joining us today. Welcome back to Leading and Learning. This is episode number 270, Insights from the Life of King David, Part 3. And if you're just jumping in, kind of give you a little bit of background. Um, one of the things our church does every year, is we, at least we have for the last several years, is we give every member a one-year Bible, and we're working through it. And um, This is being recorded in early June, but just having gone through, in May, going through Samuel, um, you know, really some, some lessons um, from, from the life of King David, leadership lessons, life lessons, um, some amazing contrast in leadership between he and King Saul have, have, have just kind of jumped out and solidified. Stuff I've read before, but um, I thought it'd be worth just kind of, you know, talking about it and um, letting you kind of see where my mind's at. So uh, we're, we're in part three, and uh, today... We're, uh, I'm going to pull a couple of things from, we'll start in 1 Samuel 22 and uh, 23. And just to set the context, context, David is not yet the king. Um, he's had a prophetic word. Uh, the prophet Samuel has said, has anointed him and said, you will be the next king. But at this point, he's actually running from his life and has managed to escape from several life threatening situations with King Saul. So David has a, has a group of men, and, and, and this is the way that comes about in, in uh, 1 Samuel 22, 1. It says, David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. When he and his brothers and his father's, when his, when his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. And this is an interesting verse. This is verse 2. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him, and he became their commander. A commander, about four hundred men, were with him. So David had been a a captain in, or you know, maybe even a general. We don't really know, but he he held a high position in Saul's army. But when King Saul became jealous of him, David had to flee, and we see these men uh, rallying around him. So now he's got a group of four hundred. I love the description there. Those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around. It almost sounds like a church plant. Um, but, uh, you know, we see these guys gathering around King David, and now he's not just running for his life. He's also responsible for the lives of his men. This is so interesting because before it was just David running and trying to get away. Um, but but now he's actually responsible for the men that are with him. And we find out also that in many cases, these men also have their families. So David, this is a, a, a really interesting period in David's life because, you know, it's one thing to be a, a captain or a general in the, uh, the king's army and have everything taken care of for you. But here, 
He's learning some very valuable leadership lessons because he's in the wilderness. They're hiding out in a cave, and he's having to provide for his men. So this is, a, this is a, again, a very interesting passage. And then we see in, uh, in chapter 23, um, we find out that this number grows, and this is in 23.13. David and his men, now about 600 in number, left Kalea and kept moving from place to place. So maybe the, the cave, they were there for a while, but, but on the whole, this is a, a huge group of men and maybe some of their families, and, and they're having to flee from one place to the other because King Saul and his armies are trying to track them down to, to kill King David and presumably kill the rest of the men as well. And so this is this again we see something about David he's he's providing a home for the disenfranchised um it goes from being uh just about him to being about this huge group of men and women who are, who have been thrown into um who have thrown their lot in with him and uh you know so again very valuable leadership lesson you wonder what kind of uh things he would learn in the wilderness and we're going to talk about a couple of them as we we move on, um, that would have actually helped him later on in becoming the king. Now, what's interesting to note about this is this is not a group that David's putting together to usurp uh, King Saul's authority. Uh, these aren't a group of rebels, even though that was what the king accused them of. They accused him of being uh, insurrectionist and, and rebels, but but. You know, as we're going to see, David had opportunities to kill King Saul, and he passed that up. Um, he's really just wanting to avoid being killed himself, and and just trying to stay alive. You almost get this feeling that David is just trying to outrun King Saul, knowing that eventually something's going to happen because God's given him a word. He's been anointed to be the next king. The prophets told him he'll be the next king, and so. You almost get this feeling that he's just trying to keep, you know, um, one stride away from the king, um, knowing that eventually something will happen. Either the king's going to die of natural causes, or somebody else will take him out, or he'll die in battle, or who knows? Who knows? But David is doing everything he can to avoid the king. He doesn't want to hurt him, but there's no evidence that he's doing any type, anything at all that would lead to a rebellion. All right, don't go away. We're going to be right back. I've got some uh, really, probably the next thing I share is, to me, one of the most fascinating and important leadership principles that we can learn. And we'll be talking about that in just a second. But before we do, I want to let you know that this episode of Leading and Learning is brought to you by my book, Leading into the 21st Century and Beyond 2.0. This is the revised edition of my book on leadership. We deal with management and supervision. Um, obviously, there's leadership principles in there. We deal with time management and personal productivity. Each chapter is short and immediately actionable. Um, I want you to be able to read this book and immediately go put these principles into practice. Um, you know, recently I was talking to somebody and they said that one of the, the, the most helpful things in there is we do um, uh, a section on leading from the middle. You know, middle management's often called the graveyard for, uh, for those in management and leadership. 
And uh, having spent some time in middle management myself with a, a large police department, uh, you know, I actually talked quite a bit about the importance of middle management. So learning to lead, and we hear about leading from the front, but what about when you're put into a role where you have to lead from the middle? So anyway, somebody just mentioned that that, that was helpful to them. So check it out, Leading into the 21st Century and Beyond 2.0. There'll be a link in the show notes, and I know you will love it. Well, all right, we're back. Now, I just told you that we're going to talk about, I think, probably one of the most important leadership characteristics of David. And this is taken, um, we're going to look at two instances. This is taken from chapter 24 of 1 Samuel. And as we said, David and his men are fleeing from King Saul. He's got the special forces chasing down the 600 um, man band of David's soldiers. And David's soldiers were elite. I mean, David was a warrior. Um, we, we know he was a trained warrior. We know he, know he knew how to fight. That was one of the reputations that he carried throughout his life was he was a man of war. He was not afraid to get his hands dirty, and he wasn't afraid to, to, to fight and to jump into the thick of things himself. But we also know that he trained his men. So these these, these men that he had, they were well-trained, they were elite, but they're outnumbered and they're running from their lives. And in this crazy story in 1 Samuel 24, Saul is trying to track David down and they, they, they think that uh, they've got David cornered. And as they're, they're moving through the wilderness, um, the call of nature will say, comes to King Saul. You know, maybe the the Mexican food he had for lunch didn't agree with him, but whatever. He's got to go relieve himself in a very urgent way. And he actually pulls aside. He sees a, a cave or an opening in the side of one of the hills, and he, he, he goes into this cave. And this area of Palestine, this area of, of uh, in the Middle East is um, is is riddled even today with caves. This is probably the area or near the area where the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered. But um, he's he's there. There's there's caves everywhere, and he says, "Well, look, let me just go. I'll, I'll go in here and relieve myself." And so he goes into the cave, and he he uh, he he pulls his robes up, and he he squats down, and he gets comfortable. Well, unbeknownst to him, in the back of the cave. David and at least some of his men are hiding. They knew Saul was coming, and so they ducked into the same cave the king is in. And what's interesting is, here's what his men say. They're in the back of the cave. They see King Saul come in. He's in a very compromising position as he relieves himself, and one of the men whispers to David, this is the day the Lord spoke of, when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. And so David crept up behind the king, and his men probably thought he was going to kill the king. But instead of doing that, he cut off a corner of the robe and then backed off. And it says afterwards, David's conscience was stricken, for he had cut off the robe, a corner of the robe of the king. And he said, The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him, for he is the anointed of the Lord, 
And with these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave unaware and went his way. And after the king got a good ways away, David stepped outside and yelled and, and encountered, you know, had an encounter with the king. And he said, listen, I could have killed you, king. Um, you know, you, the, basically God gave you into our hands, but to show you that I don't mean you any harm, here's a piece of your robe that I cut off. I could have cut your head off. I mean, how dramatic would that have been? How dramatic would that have been? King Saul's men are waiting for him below. He's, he's in the cave taking care of business. And instead of King Saul coming out, now David comes out holding King Saul's head and says, I'm the new king. You know, that would have been dramatic. But David knew that wasn't the right way to do things. And David says, may the Lord judge between you and me, king. May the Lord avenge the wrongs you've done to me, but my hand will not touch you. Now, how about that? You know, the loyalty that David displayed to the king, the man who wanted nothing more to, than to kill David, this kind of loyalty is incredible. But he knew that assuming the throne through murder was not God's way. Now, What's fascinating is a very similar situation happens um, and this is in 1 Samuel 26 and in this situation, this is sometime later, the king is continuing to pursue David and his men, wanting to put them to death and David and his men sneak up on the camp of Saul in the middle of the night, and everyone is asleep. There's no sentries. There's no guards. David and one man, Abishai, sneak right up to the king and find him asleep. There's no guards around him. There's no sentries. There's no one protecting their master. There's no one protecting the king. And in the middle of the night, David sneaks up and the man who's with him, Abishai, says, Today God has delivered your enemy into your hands. And he says, And I'll even take care of it, David. You don't have to get your hands bloody. I'll kill him myself. He says, Let's he says, Give me, let me just thrust with my spear and I'll pin him to the ground. I won't even have to strike him twice. The king will be dead. You can assume the throne. And David said, and I'm sure they were whispering. Don't do it. Who can lay the, a hand on the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? As surely as the Lord lives, he said, the Lord himself will strike him or his time will come or he will die or he'll go into battle and perish. But the Lord forbid that I should lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. Now, get his spear and water bottle and let's go. So again, David chooses not to harm the king, even though he's received a word from God that he's going to be the next king. David shows incredible restraint and loyalty. Now, David, again, they go off a little further away. They get on the side of a hill. They yell, wake everybody up. And he says, you know, who's protecting you, king? I just came into your camp. I've got your sword. I've got your water jug. They're right here. 
And Saul again apologizes, says, I'm sorry, he cries. He had some emotional issues, I guess. But again, David chose not to harm him. Now, what does this mean for us? What does this mean for us? Well, for David, I think this was very significant because what he was doing was he was training his men on what was acceptable behavior and what wasn't. This refusal to harm the king may have actually saved David's own life later on. He provided his men with an example of what was acceptable and what wasn't. There were times, even before David came the king, became the king, when his men would be angry with him. Um, Ziklag is, is one great example. Um, you know, the, 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 the men were all fighting. Some raiders came through and captured all their stuff and their wives and their kids and took them off. And it said the men wanted to kill David. But you wonder if maybe the way that he had acted towards Saul showed his men what was acceptable and what wasn't. Later on, when he became king, there were times when he did things that his men didn't like. There were times that some of his decisions were questioned. But you know, if David had assumed the throne by murder, how easy would it have been for him to be replaced by murder? Remember what Paul said, we reap what we sow. This is a fascinating principle because I want you to think about in your life, how many times have you, maybe you're in a leadership position, how many times have you caught yourself talking to a subordinate or even a peer and gossiping or bad-mouthing or putting down the, 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 the leaders above you. I remember in the police department, there were times when I would hear a, I'd be a young officer and I would hear the sergeant talking about how stupid the lieutenant was or how stupid the major was or how stupid the chief was and how they didn't know what they were doing and really creating a toxic atmosphere and berating those above them. Have you ever heard that? Have you ever been in a in, a, in an environment? I mean, I've, I've seen it in other places as well where, where you'll find someone who's maybe in a supervisor or management position and they'll be, um, you know, putting down the boss or putting down the CEO or be, putting down the president of the company or, or whatever. And then they're always surprised when they find out that their people are talking about them behind their back. Isn't that interesting? Um you know, I think there's something powerful that David shows us here about loyalty. You know, David had been, as we said, he's been, he was the anointed king. He'd been anointed as the king to be the next king by king by by the prophet um, Samuel. But until God made a way, he was not going to assert the throne, and he never spoke badly about King Saul, even though King Saul tried to kill him multiple times. Multiple times the king tried to kill him. Um, he got angry, he got frustrated, but he never took matters into his own hand. He never said, I'll, I'll, I'll go avenge myself. He said, no, the Lord will take care of me. And I think for us, it's important that when we look around at those that are in leadership around us and over us and whether it's in the church or whether it's in our government or whether it's in our business or our jobs, whatever it is, I think there's a certain amount of respect that we owe the office of the leader. 
We don't have to like everything they do. We don't have to like them as a person. But there needs to be a certain amount of respect for the office, the office of the pastor, the office of whatever the political leader, or the office of, of, of the president of the company, or whatever it is, just showing a certain amount of respect. And I think also we train our people, those who we're responsible for, on what's acceptable behavior and what's not. So David, again, shows us, even before he's the king, what kind of man he is. He shows us his character. He shows us what's in his heart by his loyalty to King Saul. Well, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. We'll, we'll, we'll go a little bit longer with this. We'll probably go a couple another couple more episodes on talking about some of these leadership lessons from, from King Saul, but uh, for, from King David. Um, but, uh, you know, I'd love to know your thoughts. Go to davidspell.com, leave me a message. Uh, a comment, a question, and uh, while you're there, make sure you sign up to get my free newsletter. I love staying in touch with you. Well, friends, thanks for being with me. Thanks for checking out uh, the, the the book I mentioned, Leading into the 21st Century and Beyond. Uh, again, thanks for being a part of this journey, and I will see you next time on Leading 